0: sustainably influenced the podcast guiding you through the minefield of sustainability with your hosts charlotte williams and bianca foley this season we'll be interviewing experts in sustainability and ethical living to shed a little light on the many terms used across industries discussing the different aspects of living a conscious lifestyle and how we can do our bit to make a difference
1: Today we are speaking with Juliet Davenport, who is the founder of the UK's first 100% renewable electricity supplier, Good Energy. An environmental activist with the emphasis on action, she has dedicated her life to the practical solutions to the climate crisis. Known as an innovator, she has been developing technologies and empowering people to fight climate change and transform the energy sector for more than 20 years. Juliet is the host of Great Green Questions podcast. Try saying that a couple of times fast, it is a real tongue twister. A light-hearted and witty exploration of some of the big questions that come up when trying to walk the green line. Juliet currently sits on the board of the Renewable Energy Association, Innovate UK and the Crown Estate. The latter a position to advise on how the organisation's substantial land can be used for climate solutions. She's Vice President of the Energy Institute and is a member of the advisory boards of leading UK think tanks, including Energy Systems Catapult, Aurora, Oxford Energy and the LSE's Grantham Institute. Today's episode is a great one, so let's get into it. Thank you so, so much for joining us. This is a really exciting episode for us because It's an area that we don't really know all that much about. For others out there who are like us who don't know much about renewable energy, could you please explain what it means and what are the benefits?
2: Well, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me on the podcast. Really exciting to chat to both of you and talk about renewables and what we do. So I guess from the point of view of renewables, in my head, if you think of it at a really high level... It is a source of energy that renews. I mean, it's in the name. So, and it tends to renew within your life cycle. So it means that it doesn't really run out. So if you think about something that's not renewable, that would be something potentially that you might dig out of the ground and be a finite resource like coal or oil. But renewables is something like solar. So solar power comes from the sun. By using it, we don't wear it out, if that makes sense. yeah. So it so it, so you can keep using it and keep using it, and you're not gonna deplete the resource of it by using the power. Another one that's similar is wind. So the wind, if you use wind power, it doesn't stop wind, it it continually renews. Then we get into slightly more complex technologies. So the next one is a balance between hydropower, so that's river power. Some technologies are not that renewable in the sense that you need other energy sources to pump them up like pump storage like really big dams I don't really count that as renewable but something where you put a turbine that captures the energy of a river as it runs through that is renewable because you're not reducing the river but you're using the energy as it passes through and then the last one is something we call it biomass that's a slightly weird name but essentially it means anything that grows. And what you tend to use from an energy source is something that's a waste product. So something like waste food, the food we throw away or the food that's gone off. If you imagine it, you know what it's like when you leave it in the compost bin. It smells after a while. Well, it actually produces gas that you can turn into an energy source, whether you heat your home from it or whether you make it into electricity. So that's that's in the form of something called biogas. And that is a renewable source as well.
1: I like that both Charlotte and I at the same time when you said that both went oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) that's so interesting my word I would have never thought that you could use byproducts in that sense I I understand we can use the waste food and things like that to make or yeah uh, Yeah. composting and to go into the soil and stuff but you would never think to use the gas emitted from it yeah is this Knowledge, Do people
2: know this. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's something we've probably been using for years, but in modern countries we create a bigger distance from things like this, so we don't come across it every day, but it, yeah. but I've definitely seen it in developing countries where people will use waste food or let's say they've got a pig in the household, mm. they'll use the waste from the pig and they'll put it in a biodigester it's called, create gas, and then they'll use that gas to cook in their house. So this exists. It's just not a technology we've tended to use in the West as much because we had natural gas we dug up out of the ground. But as we move forward, obviously, as we think about trying to use all our resources as effectively as possible, this is one of the kind of old fashioned things that can come back again.
1: Love that. I'm already blown away. First question in, I'm just sitting here dumbfounded. That's just phenomenal. What are the benefits of some of the other forms of renewable energies then?
2: So solar, I love solar because it's so simple. It's the energy source itself is free. So obviously you have to invest in something to capture that energy, a solar panel. But pretty much anywhere where the sun shines, you can put a solar panel up and generate energy. Yeah. And it's a really simple technology. So you can put it on somebody's house and it's not an issue. So anybody, if they've got a roof that faces the sun, you can generate power in your own home. And I guess that's why I love that technology because it's ultimately democratic. It's ultimately that anybody could use it worldwide. And so I love solar. Wind power is a bit more difficult because you've got to have big turbines. You've got to capture the wind and a lot of them are now going offshore so big engineering projects but still what I love the concept of a wind turbine is that when it comes to the end of its life you can just take it down and recycle most of it yeah and I really like that I like the kind of it's so transparent you could live next to a wind turbine and not really worry about air pollution or any other form of pollution because all it's doing is using the wind yeah
0: I like that actually so wind and solar yeah are common, I'd say, in the UK, because I know people who have solar energy panels in their houses. Is there anything else that people use that we maybe don't know about? Obviously, there was like, yes, but in the UK, are there any other... Well, there's a
2: technology there? that will probably come back at some point, which is geothermal, which is where they used to dig down into the ground and take heat out of the ground because the heat would be hot. Yeah. that The ground would be hot. So from just the natural geo thermal activity deep in the ground and it, and if you go to somewhere like iceland they have these hot geysers yeah it that's an extreme version of geothermal so that's where it's super hot and it's super pressurized they generate power using those in the uk we've we've got a gentler version of that where you can heat homes from so we have something called a heat pump it's a technology where you can take heat from one place to another and a geothermal heat pump is where you drill down into the ground and you take heat out of the ground essentially and put it into people's homes and that's 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 something that's existed for a while but again it's a technology that has gone out of fashion but I think it will come back into fashion in the future
1: I mean I I remember I went to Iceland a couple of years ago and they were explaining about how the visas worked and all of that and I thought this is phenomenal why don't we have something like this where we drill into the ground but Apparently I was just behind the times.
2: We don't have it as dramatically as Iceland. So they have super hot and super pressurized. We have a much more temperate version, which isn't nearly as dramatic. And And you probably wouldn't go and visit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is there any one particular renewable energy source that you consider to be, quote unquote, the best out of all of them? And if so... Can we use that to sort of replace fossil fuels going forward?
2: My personal view is I think you need all of them. They work quite well together. So wind and solar particularly, when it's less windy, it tends to be quite sunny. And where it's less sunny, it tends to be more windy, particularly in the UK. We have more wind in the winter because it's cold and windy. And in the summer, we have more sun. So it's, I actually think they work very well together as technologies. The new technologies that we haven't really started using yet but we've got loads of resource here in the UK we also have big tides on all our coastlines so the tidal reach goes up and down hugely if you think about if you ever go to the beach and the tide goes out it goes out for miles doesn't it yeah so you can use the energy of the tides as well which we haven't managed to get back into I think you need to use all the ones we've already got and then my favorite ones of the future are probably tidal and wave power
1: I genuinely love how passionate you are about it because you are so excited to talk about it Then
0: it makes me so interested. (laughs) And also I think sometimes we live in London so we forget we are an island so we are surrounded by water so those ones would probably be like a preference because we have so much water it's just a bit of a no-brainer. It is. Very interesting. So It's been announced that you're stepping down as the CEO of Good Energy after founding it twenty years ago, which is incredible. Could you talk about how good energy has been driving the change in the energy industry over that massive
2: time frame yeah well thank you for that first of all i wanted to do something on climate change and there wasn't anybody to work for nobody really existed who was really doing anything and that's why i kind of ended up setting up good energy because i needed somebody to go work for (laughs) so that's why i did it
0: oh you solved the problem in itself
2: (laughs) (laughs) and then i guess uh, at pretty much every stage for the early years of the business we had to change either the way we did things or the way the industry did things. Because, first of all, we wanted to trade as a 100% renewable energy supplier, but we didn't have a license. So we had to go and buy all this power, but we didn't have anywhere to supply it through. So we had this kind of like, oh, how do we deal with that? So that we had to solve that problem, I think, early on. And then one of the other things we found was that not that many people thought that green energy was a great business investment. So we struggled to find investors. And actually, we ended up, crowdfunding the business before I think crowdfunding was really a thing because our customers would bring us up I'd sit next to the customer care team and I'd hear customers saying can we invest and I went oh okay little light bulb went off and we wrote to all our customers and asked them to invest and they did I remember the first time we did it it was so exciting we raised 600,000 pounds in two weeks
1: incredible
2: and it was just like oh it's so exciting and that really helped us become independent so that was a real early stage win and then further on we came across lots of small renewable generators people who were they were bigger than households they didn't just have solar panels on their roofs but they had a bit more than that Mm. but they weren't big commercial organizations and the way the market worked stopped them being part they couldn't sell their power so it was a bit like being a farmer and going to market and not being able to sell your eggs or something. Mm-hmm. They couldn't sell their power. And so we created a virtual marketplace for them and then worked with the industry to create a real marketplace in the longer term. And so it was kind of things like that that we did. We saw where problems were. We solved them by creating virtual ideas of how this should work. And then we got the regulation to help us change to make that perpetuate and make the market work like that way.
0: So you were really ahead of your time in that sense, because you saw a problem that people seem to not have been addressing. And then your audience, your target audience, were giving you money to address the issue, which is the perfect business.
2: Yeah. And I think there's lots of people who want to buy from companies who are going to make things better. I think that is part of the movement we've seen coming out of lockdown and COVID. I think people want to see business. They want to buy things from businesses they know are trying to do good for society at any level.
0: Yeah, I love that. So it's definitely a business that you've seen that will continue in the sense because this is not, I'm very proud to say this is not a trend. This is not something that had its high life 20 years ago and then now we're trying to bring it back. I imagine it's been consistent or maybe it's even grown with all the news and everything
2: that's going on in the world. It's accelerating now, I would say. Everything that we're doing is accelerating and that's why it's really exciting because I think the whole marketplace is now figuring out what it needs to do. And I think Good's role in that's been really important. And it now needs to embrace being part of the mainstream rather than just being out there on its own. And part of stepping down has really been allowing me to go off and think about new things to a certain extent and go and work on some projects that I've never worked on before. Maybe look internationally as well as the UK and look at different engineering project. So I'm quite excited. that lots of people have come to talk to me about different things. Well, this is amazing. <laughs> when are you going to be stepping down? So the new CEO starts on the 1st of May, so oh. just a week away. Oh my god, what timing. <laughs> and then I formally leave as an executive at the end of July. Wow. So I've got things to wrap up and and do as a handover. And then yeah, the world is my oyster. How extraordinary that will feel.
0: I can imagine that is really exciting. Any new project is exciting, but this is, you've gone from, in my head I'm imagining, you've gone from growing this baby into something massive and then being like, okay, pass over to your parent and now I'm going to make some (laughs) more babies that are more exciting and, yeah, this is really cool. I just feel like starting a business now compared to 10 years ago must be so different, compared to 20 years ago must be so different. And I just feel like there's a lot more you can do because of just how the world's
2: kind of opened up. There's a lot of advice out there. And I think part of it's about confidence. And you get, tend to get confidence from your peers. If you see somebody else doing it, then, then you grow confidence about doing it yourself. And I think part of what Good has done, if nothing else over the last 20 years, is given other companies confidence that they can enter this market and make change.
1: Definitely. There are a lot of renewable energy suppliers now, aren't there? There's a lot of different suppliers that are like high street type brands out. I'm trying to think of a few now. I've got My my mind's just gone blank other than who we're with.
2: There's all the original traditional suppliers. So there's Eon and M, uh, I'm not sure whether Empower actually is a supplier anymore, but Ovo... You've got SSE, you've got Scottish Power, British Gas. Obviously, was was a big supplier. So there's a lot coming into this renewables market. One of the things we're trying to do is to make sure that customers are protected, because what one company calls green and what another company calls green isn't always the same. And it's one of the things that we've said is that as this market is accelerated. And people, whether they want to buy green electricity or whether they want to go and buy a sort of... Well, today, if you went and bought an organic apple, you'd be pretty confident it was organic. With green electricity, it's not quite so clear at at the moment. And that's one of the things we've been campaigning on for the last 12 months, is to really get the regulator to come and protect consumers in this marketplace and look after them.
0: I've noticed that there's clean energy and green energy. Yeah. they use those sometimes interchangeably, but we can imagine there's like a bit of a gray area to what each of them mean.
2: Exactly. And I think that's, we've been working with people like Which U-Switch has just launched an accreditation actually in terms of different. So if you go on U-Switch, they've got their gold standard, Good Energy's gold standard, green tariffs, and they're beginning to do that ranking themselves, which is great because I think, The switching sites are really important in the process. And if people have a really clear and easy way to identify, you can make a decision therefore on how green do you want to be and what price do you want to pay? And I think there's a balance between the two. The bit that we've been disappointed is where people think they're buying the same product, but they're not.
0: I think also because it's all about marketing. When I said earlier about the whole trend side, unfortunately, the conversation, the word sustainability, is a trend. So that's something that a lot of companies will be selling. But the idea isn't yes. necessarily a trend. It's just the word is. So um yeah, I can imagine a lot of people buying into something thinking that they are getting something because they're not doing their research and they feel like they don't need to. And I feel like a lot of consumers, we've discussed this before, don't do their research because they assume people will be selling to them something that they need or something that's legitimate when actually yeah, I, I
2: agree. Like, and I think I think this is something that we've suggested to government. As I said, it's broader than just green electricity. There's loads of different products that people want to claim are green or recycled. When you look at a bottle, a plastic bottle, is it recycled? Is it recyclable? When you look at a piece of clothing, where did that come from? What's the eco footprint on that? And I think that we need to see some really good guidelines for companies who want to make green claims about their products Definitely. to really help consumers and make sure they feel confident that they're being protected. Otherwise, the classic is when you, you let's say you buy yourself a nice green t-shirt and, you, and you've just said, look, this is fantastic. It's really eco. You go to a party or a friend's house and they say, oh, that's rubbish. Nobody will ever believe that that's green or whatever. They, they kind of undermine your purchase and therefore it potentially undermines the market because you don't know how to prove to them that it is properly green yeah I think there's a real opportunity there to support consumers in in their green choices yeah definitely it's something that has to happen across every single
1: market in every industry to make sure as you say to protect the consumer and to make sure we're fairly advertising things or giving people the chance to spend their money where they want to with all of the right
2: information yeah completely I mean there's something like the advertising standards agency but you've got to understand the detail of a market and to know whether a claim is true or not so you've got to almost be a professional in that marketplace before you can make a complaint which I think I agree with you I think it's too much responsibility on a consumer
0: yeah definitely and there's only so much I personally think they can take care of because I know the ASA are working really hard in the influencer space right now because we're doing right for them yeah and I do think like how are they looking after everything because this is such a different market and advertisements are advertisements but how do they know everything because they would have had to learn all things influencer because even people that work in the influencer side don't know these things so yeah I do think about this all the time and how it's wild that there's not regulatory boards that look after each individual
2: advertisement space I do think that Companies who are making claims that are just misleading, it can be very difficult. I was thinking about one of the guys we interviewed recently for a podcast, a guy called Mark from Rampanui, and they make t-shirts and he spends his life trying to figure out how to recycle t-shirts. And they've got a brilliant one now because you can send a t-shirt back to him, get Five quid because they'll send you five quid, and then he makes these T-shirts, and they're called. Oh, it says this is rubbish because genuinely it is rubbish. (laughs) I love it, and it's that kind of thing that will change consumer behaviour. We need to embrace that. But I know Mart, and I know his process, and I know his business really well, so I trust him. But I don't necessarily. If somebody else did that, would I trust them as much? I don't know.
0: And also, he's a. I imagine a very small business.
2: Yes, he is.
0: You know him. But how do you make sure that everyone knows him? Yeah. That this is an issue. And to be a small business and to pay for advertisement and to pay for marketing, it's expensive. So I have such a bee in my bonnet currently about how unaffordable advertising is in general for small businesses. We're currently, randomly, but at work we're doing a survey on small businesses, understand their budget so we can figure out how to help them market themselves in an affordable way. But when it comes to sustainable brands, local businesses and small businesses are actually doing things to make change, they're the ones that actually suffer the most because they don't have the same budgets as Pretty Little Thing and Misguided and all of those people and Boohoo to basically hit every person in the world. They just have the local word of mouth budgets.
2: Yeah. I mean, that was one of the reasons why we launched a video series called Better Business, where we interviewed some of our business customers, because we felt that actually, if we could promote them as customers of ours, then that was good for us and good for them. And I think that kind of collaboration piece where businesses work together, to promote each other is actually a really nice way forwards
0: yeah all about collaboration i think that's the key and it helps everybody at the end of the day definitely right so we're going to move away from the big business talk and go more towards the consumer side for our audience at home what is the best way to make changes in their homes when it comes to all things good energy renewable energy clean green
2: Everything in between? I think of four areas that people can think about in terms of what they do in their homes. So, the first one is how you power your home. Where do you get the electricity for your home? And there are kind of two key choices you can make there. One, switch to a green supplier. There's various ranking sites as which you switch, as I mentioned. Ethical Consumer has got a good ranking as well. They talk about the different consumer guidance. So, choose a great renewable energy tariff. That's one first step. If you've got a possibility, and not everybody has this, but I think solar panels are going to become cheaper and cheaper. If you've got a roof that you can put a solar panel on, why not do that as well? So you can generate some of your own power. Now, that's probably for the homeowners amongst us, but it's something to aspire to in the future. And we generate our own power at home. I love it because you get excited about when it's sunny and you can see the power thing going around. So... Uh, Yeah. So from powering your home, those are a couple of things to think about. Next thing is how you heat your home. So first thing you always have to do in heating your home is you have to look about what's the energy efficiency of your home. So have you got drafty windows? Those are the worst. I don't know if you've ever had drafty windows, but standing in front of drafty windows in the winter is very cold. So try and stop all of that. So you can do your own draft excluders, but you can get professional people in to come fit them properly. The room I'm working at the moment, my next plan is to get this insulated because my office is freezing in the winter. But insulation really important. So that's a big thing to help on heating. And then in terms of going greener on heating, if you've got an opportunity to go electric, heat pumps are a potential way forwards. I think in a city, they're going to be slightly trickier, but we're going to see, I think, heat pump technology come to inner city. But at the moment, in rural, heat pumps are very easy to fit. What's heat pump? Sorry. So I... heat pumps, if you think about this, you have a fridge in your house. Have you ever stuck, I know it sounds weird, stuck your hand down the back of the fridge, probably when you're looking for something. Yeah, and it's hot. So what happens with a fridge is that you take the heat out of the fridge and you pump it out the back into your house. And you do that through a a chemical transmission. So there's basically a coolant, as it's called, comes in and it will extract the heat from inside the fridge and then take it away and dump it outside the fridge. And that's why it feels hot. So a heat pump does that in reverse. So what it does is it takes any heat there is outside in the outside atmosphere and it will concentrate that and then pull that into your home. And that's how a heat pump works. That's an air source heat pump. So you take that from the air. A ground source heat pump is where you drill into the ground and you take the heat from the ground and then you bring that into your home. Like you mentioned previously. Yes, exactly. And that is a heat pump. And I've seen some of the technological designs for cities where they're looking to drill down underneath buildings and potentially at a spiral angle to bring the heat back into their homes and then distribute that around flats and buildings and cities that's going to be the next step on heat that's just
1: fantastic isn't it when you think about it there's so many possibilities it's like they're endless there's things we can do but are we going to be able to move away from these traditional more harmful ways that we've been doing it for years and move away quite quickly and how much is it going to cost all of these massive companies to do it that's the
2: other those are the things that we still need to sort out so in some cases it's going to be so heat pumps are probably a technology that still need to improve in price but if you're not on the gas grid and you're in a rural area they are a real option because they're probably cheaper than what you've already got okay if you live off the gas grid quite often you have to have oil which means you have to have a big oil tank that stores the oil in your back garden that's what you can replace with a heat pump Okay, And then the next one is how do you get places? So how do you transport yourself from A to B? And I think for me, if you can walk, walk. It's really good exercise. That's fantastic. If you can bicycle, bicycle. Again, good exercise. If you've got public transport, take public transport. But if you need to take a car, then if you're going to look next time you're going to change your car or lease a car, then think about getting an electric vehicle. Because that is have you got one already we're looking
1: to get one we've decided
2: next year when
1: we get rid of our car we're gonna get an electric vehicle
0: yeah it's actually really scary though isn't it because we're looking at the moment because my car's about to die and we need to replace her she's just had her time (laughs) and we've been looking and it's just like they're expensive it's a lot of commitment
1: charging
2: ports nearby
0: charging ports I think that's the hardest thing for us because there's none really
2: so what's interesting is I think first of all look out for some lease models so that you might not actually have to buy a car you could just lease it and I think those are really interesting because it gives you choice as well so you can try a bit see how you get on with them the other thing is obviously I have to declare an interest at this point so I sit as a chair of something called Zapmap. it's a mapping app for all the electric vehicle charging points in the UK so download that or go on the website and have a look at that because that will show you where the closest all the closest charging points are who owns them how much they cost etc
1: we were in central london over the weekend and i saw so many electric vehicles and they were all really really plush cars they're all like horses and stuff but we saw so many yeah, right okay cars. i was like these people are really buying in and i realized they're buying electric ones because you don't have to pay congestion or the ULES. Yeah, exactly. And then their residence parking permits are normally a lot cheaper as well. So there's so many ways to get around it that I think the investment of getting the slightly more expensive vehicle kind of, it's almost like with clothes cost per wear, but cost per use kind of <laughs> translates yeah. to the car. But it, makes, it does make a lot of sense. And that's definitely something that we're planning on in the next year.
2: And also, I mean, it it depends if you if you work for a company today, then one of the things companies are looking at is that there is a salary sacrifice scheme, which is very tax efficient. You can get a tax rebate on electric vehicles now that was introduced, I think. Oh, I think it was last year, actually. And there's some really good deals that you can get by buying a car or leasing a car, at least through your job. We're getting all the insider knowledge. This is great. Uh I run my own business so maybe when I get my you could do possibly I mean I I don't know how it works for for running your own business but there's lots of these schemes where you can do benefits working benefit in kind sort of business benefits and there's a scheme and we we outsource that to somebody else but this is one of the things that we can our team at work get a huge benefit a huge tax benefit from getting an electric vehicle oh wow yeah definitely gonna look into that And then the the last thing, which I know is not really due to energy, but looking at what you eat as well, and I'm sure you guys have covered that already, but sort of thinking about where your food comes from, the lowest carbon food is the bit that you grow in your garden. So if you have a garden or even just a little allotment or even just a window box, then growing your own food is brilliant. That's next on my plans.
1: That's next on my plans. I used to grow a lot of veg... Like my mum has this massive garden. We used to grow loads of different things. Yeah. Since moving, we haven't done anything with our garden, so that's that's the next job that's happening. And I want to, yeah, have, it's I want to have a little a little staggered window box with all my fruit and veg and some herbs and stuff. Something I can use and replenish.
2: I saw such a cool. There was I can't remember it was. It was a trolley that had inbuilt in it. You could basically it was very cleverly put together it looked like sort of cascading buckets one on top of the other oh. and you planted it up and you, it was on little wheels so you could push it around a patio and then you could plant it up with all your herbs and things of like that it was really cool I like that I like stuff like that I'm, I'm becoming a proper little
0: house house nerd now anything I say <laughs> like, that's really cool <laughs> no I don't have that it's annoying but my um mum and in-laws are all growing plants I don't have a garden. All oh,
2: right, okay. Well, go so, go and eat theirs. Perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're obsessed. She's like, come round. The tomatoes are great. She did strawberries last year. My in-laws are doing. or my dad-in-law's doing lettuce. All the herbs. Yeah. He's so proud of everything. Like recently put it all together, and it's actually it's just so fun because it's a hobby. You're doing something. Yeah. So I was in Hampstead yesterday, and I walked past one of the allotments, one of, one of the massive ones down like Fitzjohns Avenue. And I was just so jealous. I could hear so many people in there. And they were obviously got like having the best time. It was really sunny. They were like digging up their allotment. I was like, I want an allotment. I really I want, want an
1: allotment. but I'm so scared of bugs. I know I won't hope. That's why I'm so my, <laughs> my, my, my tiny little herb garden. That will be it for now.
2: <laughs> yes. At home, I've got, it's like a mini greenhouse. It's literally just like a cupboard. But oh, you yeah. stick it in the sun and it's got this kind of lifting up and you can grow, you can grow tomatoes and it, you can grow lettuce, it's brilliant, I love it. Because oh. it's, it's all Ooh. quite contained, because otherwise what we have is, because I live in the countryside, we have a lot of mice, so they come and eat all the seeds when you plant them, if you plant them in the ground. So it's much safer in this cabinet.
0: From one podcast to another.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, hello.
0: So you have a podcast called Great Green Questions. And it has a witty and lighthearted way of dealing with important questions regarding a greener life. So what we want to know is what's been the most important question that you've asked so far?
2: Oh, I, well, to be honest, there's been so many. It's been brilliant. So we've talked about veganism. We've talked about fast fashion. Mm. We've talked about cars. But I think the most recent one we've just recorded was actually about race and climate change and the impact disproportionate impact, particularly in in certain countries, on different parts of our society and cultures, and how particularly you've you've got sort of a legacy, I guess, of inequality then being impounded and impacted by climate change and environmental degradation. So sort of some of the poorer areas of the world have already got sort of, they've already got pollution, they've already got bad air quality, and then you add heat to that and you start to have a really potent, difficult mix to deal with. And I think also we talked about some of the issues related to people being excluded based on color, skin color from the debate and actually how we represent traditionally the climate change debate has been represented as quite white and and not realistically and necessarily so as well so I think that was with Michaela Loach and Ishan Akbar and it was brilliant I mean it really was brilliant and I I felt I didn't really need to say anything I was listening <laughs> and enjoying myself all of them so far have just been I've learned something new on every single one and that's what's brilliant so so the reason why we included it as light-hearted is that First of all, I wanted to make sure that we weren't trying to, to pretend that anybody is a perfect environmentalist because they don't exist. We are all trying our best and we cannot put down anybody else because they're maybe in a different stage of the journey or they haven't done everything they possibly can. So that was the start. And the other part is one of my favorite podcasts previously is the Infinite Monkey Cage. I don't know if you've ever heard that one. No. So it's a scientific podcast they always have a comedian on it because the science can get a bit stodgy sometimes. Yes. And sometimes if you get into environmental debate, it can get very serious and a little bit stodgy. So yes. the the issue is that we get in some really tough issues, but we do it with a real perspective of, it's not saying that anything's funny. It's just, it's keeping, keeping it entertaining and lighthearted because I think sometimes some of these issues are so difficult to deal with that people find it really hard. And actually, if you can bring that element, not always a comedy, but, but a little bit of like, oh, I need this, no conversation. You know what it's like. If you go to a party and you get stuck with a person who's terribly earnest, it's not that much fun, is it? <laughs> but if you go and they're interesting and funny and also earnest, then you're probably going to talk to them longer. Yeah. So that is the idea of the podcast is to get people to listen.
1: Yeah, brilliant. I'm going to have to
0: tune in now. Yeah. Oh, so-
2: please do. Yes.
0: Similar vein to ours in that we're but maybe on the opposite scale, so you're an expert in the field, and whereas we're not, so we ask questions, we ask the silly questions so that people don't have to. Yeah, well
2: you're very accessible. I mean, and that's the point, is that the majority of the population are not experts and they want people to ask questions that are really accessible to the wider and inclusive because I always think about the word sustainability as quite a tricky word because it's an illity. It's it's got lots of letters on the end of it and it's not easy to define either, really isn't. Exactly. And I think that's why we kind of
1: started this because we were just a bit like, what? What does that mean? What does it actually mean? And that's why we're asking the questions, as Charlotte said, so that our audience don't have to
2: the more podcasts that we can have doing that the better because people that's what people want to listen to isn't it yeah yeah I hope so otherwise <laughs> <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I'm sure they will I'm sure they will I think it's been well I've enjoyed it anyhow that's all
0: that
2: matters <laughs> you know now so at least we did it's all all right
0: no but this has been fantastic thank you so thank so you. much for coming on thank you. Um, thank you
2: Charlotte thank you it's been really nice to talk to you both Thank you.
1: If people wanted to find you on the internet, where could they do that?
2: So if they're looking for Great Green Questions, I think you just go on Apple or Spotify and just search Great Green Questions. If they want to find me, they can search Juliet Davenport actually on Google. You can probably find me most places. On Twitter, I'm actually Davenport Juliet, slightly confusingly. But again, I'm sure you can. people can work that out. And then I do quite a lot of stuff through LinkedIn as well. And that's fairly easy to find.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. So we've come to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Sustainably Influence. And make sure that you're following us and liking and subscribing on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast provider. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.